I'm Ava Hartling. Welcome to The Brand is Female. My guest this week is Kristen Gale, founder and CEO of The Ten Spot, Canada's largest and fastest growing beauty bar and retail company. Kristen has been awarded multiple recognitions from top 40 under 40 to Grow 500's fastest growing companies by Canadian Business and McLean's and Profit 500's fastest growing companies in Canada for multiple years. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Women in Enterprise. TD helps women in business achieve success and growth through their educational workshops, financing, and mentorship programs. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help. Over 15 years ago, Kristen saw an opportunity in the beauty market to close the gap between lower-end nail shops and the expensive and often over-the-top spas. She dreamed up an offering that combined the efficiency of the former with the service excellence of the latter. Kristen successfully targeted the demographic of women age 18 to 65 with a goal to deliver what all busy women really want, a one-stop shop for getting all of her beauty maintenance services in one spot. Today, the rest is history. The 10 Spa is now a successful network of beautifully designed studios, both company-owned and franchised, in which customers receive a range of exceptional services and where teams receive a living wage and commissions, benefits, exceptional training, and ongoing education opportunities. Here is my conversation with Kristen Gale of The 10 Spa. Kristen, it's such a pleasure having you on The Brand is Female. Thanks for speaking with me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. So I like to start by getting to the origin story uh, in, of, of your journey. And in this case, I want to know when you were growing up, did you already dream you'd be an entrepreneur later in life? Or what did you imagine you'd be doing yes. as a career? Actually, I was told I was going to be an entrepreneur. Um, my father was an entrepreneur and he said, um, to us kids, I have two brothers. He said, do whatever you want in life, just as long as you make it into a business. Um, and so it was sort of, I, you know, growing up, I just, I just thought I was always going to have my, uh, my own small business. I didn't realize at the time that it was such great advice because I think my dad was really what I've learned now looking back at it is it was like the secret to living a life that you love. He knew that being an entrepreneur was the best way to get that freedom and creativity and control and most specifically unblocked earning potential that, you know, you, you kind of want to have a successful life, um, that being in, in charge of your, uh, of your own business can really give you that. So I for sure knew, knew it was in the cards for me. And you've mentioned, you know, a, what sounds like a big inspiration in your life, uh, in this case, your dad, were there other role models around you? And maybe as you uh, kind of started, you know, the first chapter in your career, or even during your studies, were there role models uh, that uh, inspired you on this path and, and maybe women role models specifically? Yeah. So, you know what, it was, um, it was primarily my dad for sure. I, I think just having that mentality, um, going into, going into my career really set me up for 
like, to be honest, I was a terrible employee. So I was actually, the reason why I started the 10 spot was because I had been fired for the second time. And the first, and this was, I was only 24 at the time. So like, this was my third job. So two out of three. Um, so I knew that I was not really employee material. Um, and I had kind of just been always, because I knew that I was going to have my own business or felt like I was going to have my business. I was kind of waiting for a great business idea to hit. And being so young, you know, in my early 20s, I bounced around to a bunch of different bunch of different jobs, bunch of different internships. And I think when, um, you know, when I, when I got canned the second time, I was like, okay, let's start to get serious. You're old enough now. I'd accumulated enough experience having worked. Cause another thing that he had said was that, you know, you don't want to start your business right away. You do want to learn what it's like to be an employee, mm -hmm. what it's like to, to be a boss, to, to have mm -hmm. a good, have good bosses, have bad bosses, um, so that you can learn that. So it was, uh, you know, I did take it as my sign that, okay, maybe I need to get serious and, um, and start my business. And I think the other thing for me was that I looked at it as that was my plan. A, that was, you know, my, my dream and my vision for my life was to, mm -hmm. to start my own company. And I felt like, well, okay, if I, if I go for my plan A and it doesn't work out, I'm right back in the same position I am right now, which is looking for a job. So I'm like, mm -hmm. right now I'm actually living my plan B in my worst case scenario. So I might as well go for it right now. Um, and, uh, and start my company. <laughs> I love that. I don't think anybody ever had that answer to the question. You know, they, <laughs> they, they started their business because they got fired from the previous one, but that's yeah, actually yeah. a great. Oh God. The first time I was reason. fired was actually from an unpaid internship. So like, I just really was not meant for the, the corporate working world. That's for right. sure. So uh, was that first business 10 spot or was there some, something yeah, else? Yeah, it, it was actually. So the, uh, the story goes, I had, I was fired on the Friday, um, mm -hmm. and, uh, a guy that I worked with, um, he was my, my best friend at the time and I called him. I'm like, so I think you saw me being walked out. Um, would love to go for a little brainstorming session with you cause I'm going to start a business. Um, and I just need to know what my business, what my great business idea is going to be. So we went to this um, cute little um, place for a slice of pie on that Sunday night. It was, uh, we went down to Queen Street West uh, in Toronto and it was very, you could tell it was very up and coming. It had all these cute little like one-off places. So when I got to the cafe after, you know, having driven my bike down the street and I, and I had seen all these little businesses, I walked in, I'm like, Craig, this is it. I want a store on Queen Street. This is going to be what, you know, out of all the different types of businesses I could have, I want to, now I know the term is bricks and mortar business. Didn't know that at the time, but I was like, I want a cute little store on Queen Street. And then I said, you know, well, okay, now that I know I'm going to have a store, what am I going to put in my store? Mm -hmm. So I had lived above a nail bar when I lived in New York City. So it was about it was above this nail bar and it was really sort of dodgy. Like it was, I think they had carpeting. So imagine nail clippings and you know, shave oh, calluses yeah, on carpet. Yeah. It's like pretty disgusting. <laughs> so it was not a high-end experience. But at the time in New York City and also in Toronto, there really wasn't anything but that. So for something yeah, that was cheap yeah. and cheerful, it was just those lower end experiences, or yeah. you had the Hyatt you know, or the Four Seasons the spa, Day Spa. The deluxe spa. So yeah. exactly. And I thought, what if I could carve out a little niche in between those two categories? Mm -hmm. So create this more anti-spa environment, take the best of that high-end market. So the great guest care, the great service uh, execution, the clinical cleanliness, because that was a really big issue in the spa industry at the time. Right. Um, so cleanliness wasn't a big thing. 
Yeah. And then I thought I could also then take the efficiency and that more chill vibe and accessible price points of those mm -hmm. lower end nail bars, basically take the best of the best, leave the rest. So I was like, cry, genius. So I rode my little bike home. I downloaded um, a business plan template off of the Royal Bank of Canada <laughs> website, filled okay, it out okay. as best I could, um, dropped it off to the bank. And then within... Um, yeah, within the next couple of days, I just pounded the pavement on Queen Street, ended up finding a space um, for lease. At the time, I called it for rent. Didn't realize there's different terminology for commercial and, yeah. and residential. Mm -hmm. And um, and then a couple months later, we were open. And it ended Amazing. up being this really, you know, this really sort of big hit. Um, yeah. And then following that, I did a couple of more locations, a couple more corporate stores. And then we started franchising. So that's really where... Mm -hmm. Um, really my passion and love comes from. So when my dad said, you know, come up with a business, figure out something that you love and make that a business, it was really business is my thing yeah. that I love. Yeah. And yeah. so having a franchise company, I love, uh, having a franchise business is just running a, you know, running a business of businesses. It's sort of this like meta experience. And that was really exciting for me because I realized that in, in building the 10 spot, I got this really fun life. I got to have that freedom and thrill and, and that earning potential. And that through doing a bunch of those locations and seeing how successful they got, I realized that I had something special and something that I could share with other business women or other women that wanted the same thing for their lives. Um, right. and then also building this community because it also was kind mm -hmm. of lonely. Um, you know, especially when you're real, you know, you can have, um, friends that are in business, but you're not dealing with the exact same things, um, mm -hmm. you know, and at the exact same points. And I think having that community, um, especially a, a community of, of like-minded women that are about doing the same thing, building up the business with me and, mm -hmm. um, and sort of going after these, these big full lives that include relationships and kids and, and family and being great sisters mm -hmm. and friends mm -hmm. and partners and, you know, having you know, all your personal stuff um, as well. So that was really exciting. So now we have the 44, um, locations in Canada and in the United States, there's three more that are opening. Um, so we're at a very exciting, exciting point. And it's, it's basic. We have some male franchise partners for sure, but predominantly it's, um, we are a women, um, owned and operated, mm. uh, corporation, which is really, which is really awesome. And, and yeah, we mainly awesome. employ, um, our estheticians and our staff or guest coordinators are, I think it's like 99% female. Women. As well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That makes mm -hmm. sense. Well, congratulations for everything you've achieved so far. Thank so you. <laughs> when, when did it feel? So when you started the business and it was, you know, one, one location first, when yeah. did it feel like you had a real business on your hands? What was kind of that first, you know, trigger point of, okay, I think this is actually going to work. It was, to be honest, it was immediately. So because we were so different in the marketplace, there just wasn't anything like us. We really, um, we opened with a bang. Uh, and I wasn't quite prepared for that because I was very good at creating the business. Because for me, business yeah. is just very logical. Like I can't stress about, will people come and show up? It's like, I don't have anything right now. Like the first right. step is yeah. just writing business plan, finding a location, getting a contractor, getting money. Generally, it's better to do that in a different order. Um, yeah. <laughs> I didn't it actually. I signed my yeah. I signed my lease without having getting my financing, which I would never recommend. But I was super naive at the time, which was helpful. 
Um, yeah, because we were so different in the marketplace, we really had a lot of success right away. So I think I was in every national publication in Canada within the first few months. So it was very, you know, we were Lulu magazine and fashion a bunch of times and L magazine. So it was, um, it was really exciting. And, and we, we definitely had customers, we call them our guests. We had guests coming from every area of the city. So Mm -hmm. it also became a very destination spot. Yeah. I think that the second time that I realized we could really, that this was a real thing was when I, um, I ended up getting married and, uh, and moving out to Hamilton and I wanted to, we had just started to offer, um, franchises for, for sale. So we had, we had gone down the road of, of, you know, working with the lawyer to, to create this because I, by that time I had had two successful locations in the different areas of the city. But I think when it really hit me of like, oh snap, this is actually something was when I built out the Hamilton location, because mm-hmm. at that point it was, I, I wanted to really test and see, does this work in a smaller market? Does this work when I, you know, don't have my head office here and all of the infrastructure is here. And then when that one was also successful and I'd also built out a, another one in Toronto, they opened it the, in the same week, which was really chaotic. Um, but when that one started to do well, I was like, okay, this is, this is something, this can be a model that's replicated in different markets and we can still have that, um, kind of consistency and and control over the brand experience that is vital in a franchise system. What are things that you wish you knew and you've mentioned, you know, being naive actually helped you with getting that, you know, the business (laughs) off the ground. And sometimes it's the things we don't know that, you know, play in our favor. Um, What's something you learned the hard way that you wish you had known before starting the whole journey? You know what? It was, it was just that was that. um, So actually, so I think that being naive, um, was helpful. I think that if I had known what I know now about starting a business, about starting a franchise company, about expanding into the United States, I would never do it because you see how challenging, um, how challenging it is. However, that doesn't mean that I'm not so grateful that I, that I didn't, you know, that I did end up doing it, that I did just jump in with both feet. I think being a little bit naive in those things helps because you can then um, your bravery is up because you don't know what you don't know. Um, yeah, but yeah. then also you think differently. So when mm. you don't know the way that something's normally done, you then um, you make it up and you do it the way that seems logical to you. Mm-hmm. And I think that that, um, that can be really helpful. For me, I didn't understand the aesthetics industry. It wasn't, it wasn't the thing that I was um, that I knew a lot about. I just thought that it was a great business idea and that I could yeah. hire the experts to come in and perform the services. But the thing that was super tricky for me, um, and I wish that I had had a little more awareness going into, was just the um, how different having a franchise is compared to yeah. having the corporate stores. It is a yeah. totally different business with totally different customers, totally mm-hmm. different services that you are that you're providing. So whereas the beauty bars are just 
I've got my guests, which are, you know, my, the women that are coming in for manis and petties and, you know, we're making them feel put together and polished. Um, whereas when I started the franchise company, I thought, well, I know how to run the beauty bars. So instead of having managers, I'm just going to have owners who are going to care so much more and this is going to be easier. Mm -hmm. Um, it was completely not that. So now, you know, I wasn't just in the beauty bar world. I was in the franchising world and it was very clear that, you know, I now had this new set of customers, which was my franchise partners and the service that I was then selling was this business in a box. Only I didn't have that business in a box ready. I had parts of it. I had once you're open and operational, this is going to be how, you know, the, the protocols get done and, and the services get done. And we had all of that stuff built Mm -hmm. out. Um, so I, I had half of the model built out, but I didn't have that experience of, you know, how do you actually like, they've now signed on the dotted line. You're in charge of their entire experience of helping create, you know, an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And so that was, uh, I really got sort of slammed back into that very reactive Mm -hmm. phase of business. Um, cause we just didn't have those protocols. And, and so it was through very, candid feedback and very patient first few franchise partners that we got through it together and then was able to create that franchise system so that you could take somebody, you know, through all of those phases of like finding real estate, what to look mm-hmm. for when you're looking for real estate. So it's all this knowledge yeah. that I had, but it, it hadn't been formalized into protocols. So it was, uh, it was a very, like everything, like everything I've done, it's, you know, steep learning curves, but um, right. that was for sure something that I, I wish I had a little more, uh, I wish I knew a little bit more yeah. before, before going into it for sure. <laughs> I thought I was ready. wasn't. This season of The Brand is Female is made possible with the support of TD Women and Enterprise, and they're about confidently building you. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. It takes sound advice, puts guidance to the right connections, tools, and resources. What's great about TD Services for Women in Business is their collaborative approach. TD can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching, and mentorship, and they engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way, so we can all share experiences and learn from each other. TD Women in Enterprise has banking specialists who are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance they give to women in business. For entrepreneurs who are listening to us and, you know, female founders who may have a concept uh, that they're considering for, you know, to become a franchiser, mm-hmm. what's what's a good candidate? What's the formula to, you know, having a business that you can franchise? Yeah. So I think it's, it's built, it's definitely building out the system within the original business that you're in. So one of the things that I did early on, what I actually realized early on was in addition to not being a great employee, I wasn't a great manager. So I replaced (laughs) myself very quickly in those first few days. I didn't actually like the whole experience of, you know, going in every day and having to, yeah. (laughs) yeah, And I just wasn't, it's not my skill set. Um, and I'm so thankful for, uh, for our franchise partners that, that are so great at that and really bring the bars to life. But for me, it was, um, working on the business instead of in it. And so very early I started to develop those protocols. So I think the first thing I did was I knew that I was replacing myself as the manager, but there were a bunch of managerial things I knew needed to happen. So I wrote out that I called them like the management Bible. So it was like the Bible that we all, you know, we, this playbook that we, that we, um, 
that we used. And so I wrote that one out and then started to work on the aesthetics manual so that whenever you had a 10 spot Brazili, it was a 10 spot Brazili. It was the same service that you were getting no matter what service provider you were going to go to or no matter what location eventually you end up going to. That's it's it's um, our Brazilian wax is like our Brazilian wax, no matter who you go to. Right. So building out those protocols, um, so I would say really making sure that your internal operations is really tight. And then it's that additional step of, okay, well, if you had to bring someone brand new into this and guide them through every single step of, of having their own you know, replica of, of your business, what does that look like? And that's mm-hmm. also, that's a, huge, um, that's a huge bit of work right, right there because it's not in franchising, um, it's an interesting dynamic. It's a contractual relationship. So it's a relationship business model. So we're not, you know, we're not each other's bosses. Um, you know, we're not business, we're not true business partners. We have very different role sets, um, and, and very different things that we're both accountable for. But one thing that I'm accountable for is, is giving that experience of helping them, you know, find their place, get it marketed, help find their staff, help train their staff and get them open and operational, and then provide them that ongoing support through, you know, other operational things, innovations or, or marketing. Right. right. Um, so yeah, I'd say getting your, getting your systems tight, um, first is, is a good step. And that's great advice. Um, so you've mentioned, and I love that you're very honest about, you know, having realized early on that you're not the best manager, you're not the best person to be in the business, but you work on the business. What are some of the advisors or what's, you know, that kind of support network that you build around you to help you be better at running the business? Like what were those, what, what do those relationships look like? Yeah. So I'm pretty ravenous about personal development and growth and, and, and business, uh, growth. So I really read as much as I could on this. Cause I, it got to a point where I wasn't a small business owner anymore. We had mm-hmm. a bunch of locations and I was becoming a CEO without, you know, really <laughs> knowing that I was getting put into this, you know, CEO role. So right. when it dawned on me, like, oh my God, I'm actually a CEO of a company. Uh, didn't really realize it until, until this moment, I just started reading as much as I could. Um, so there's a whole, you know, there's a whole slew of business books, audiobooks. I'm a huge fan of listening to as many podcasts, yeah. taking as many courses as I could, mm-hmm. anything mm-hmm. I could find on YouTube, um, now is really helpful as well. And then getting, um, mentors and advisors. So basically anyone in the, in the franchising industry that I could get my hands on anyone in just the world of business. So I would say that the most influential in speaking of, of, uh, of women is that I, was part of this growth driver program through the BDC. Um, also just taking advantage of as many opportunities because there's so many companies Mm -hmm. that want to help women in business. And so just like milking every opportunity, applying for every award I could get my hands on. Um, because of course with those awards, you end up becoming part of their network. So, you know, the top 40 under 40, like they have, you know, they, um, they have networking events in the future for, you know, that, that I've been to, or the EY winning women, I was part of that. Um, so it's like award, it's an award and it's a distinction, but you also become part of this network. So then there's all of these other women that you get to, you know, be on the email threads for, and, you know, you can just sort of, um, 
you know, use, use your networks, network, tap into your networks yeah. as much as possible. But one of the things was the um, growth driver program. So it's a, a marriage between the government of Canada, the Business Development Bank of Canada, and then Richard Ivey School of Business. And they have a program that's really uh, that's really fantastic where they actually pair you with um, a coach that works both as a coach and both as an and, and also as an advisor. So coaching, meaning what do you almost like a therapist? Like, well, what do you think you should do? Um, an advisor just saying you should do this. And so our coach slash advisor was Kelly McDougald. Like she's basically just the most fierce, incredible CEO woman that I could ever imagine. And so she was our coach and our, and our advisor and just, um, just really helped us kind of take that, that next leap. She was actually during, she was there with us during the phase when we were expanding into the United States, which was another giant, don't know what I'm, didn't know what I was yeah. doing, <laughs> jumping in and being like, oh, it's easy. I'm franchising in Canada. I'll just franchise in the States. <laughs> no problem. Um, yeah, so she was, uh, she was very right. integral with, uh, and still is, we still, um, we still have a relationship with her. Um, I'm curious to hear you about leadership and what your definition of being a leader is, and also what you think you bring to the role, you know, with your unique experience being a female founder, um, you know, what, what does that make you, a uh, what, what, what do you bring, bring every day, you know, as, as a leader and then obviously working alongside your team? Yeah, I think that being, I think that there's different um, qualities that the different positions have. So I think that if I was just a CEO, it would be very directional, you know, is, are we in the right forest, chopping down the right trees? Um, you know, let's making sure that everybody's on task, holding everybody accountable. That to me is very different than also being the founder. So I think right. that being, um, or at least having a business where there is a founder that is also the CEO, I think honestly, the thing that I bring is probably just energy and enthusiasm mm -hmm. and just keeping, you know, and it's been tough. I mean, getting through COVID, <laughs> Where, yeah. uh, where, you know, our, the bulk of our operations, I would say like 75% of our bars are in Ontario and we were shuttered for 300 days. So just that, you know, mm -hmm. having that, um, positivity and, um, and that sort of, you know, leading by example to kind of keep that, keep the positivity up, keep the inspiration and the motivation up that, you know, there is, there's, we're going to get through this you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel. We're going to be even better for it because anything that's, you know, that any sort of struggle or things that don't kill you only make you better. Um, and so I think that, uh, probably would be the, you know, the, the main thing is that like injecting the, the enthusiasm and, mm -hmm. and energy into, into the brand, because I, you know, there's, there's the others, there's the more, you know, business stuff and, and the strategy right. and the executional things, but that for that, um, mm -hmm. I think, uh, you know, anybody, anybody, there's other, to be honest, there's better people in my company that can do that better than me that can sort of, you know, I have that again, I'm a very typical entrepreneur and like every day's got to be to different. And there's, you know, it's like, let's, I, there's a thousand priorities. Whereas for, you know, that's not true. You, you don't get a lot done. If you, uh, if everything's a priority, you get nothing done basically. So having yeah, somebody yeah. really prioritize, there are better people in my company that do that for me. But I think that, um, yeah, that, that, uh, energy and enthusiasm and the vision, the vision for like what I know, what yeah. this brand can be and yeah. to get other people to understand and buy into that vision, uh, with me. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I am curious to hear you on, you know, culture. You've, 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 you know, you've mentioned values for, you know, for the company. You've talked a lot about the brand experience, uh, and it's different when you have your own, you know, spaces, and then you, you have franchises on top of it. Um, how do you build a strong company culture, and how do you go about really, you know, communicating it and translating that? into every single one of your locations and in, in your case, both the ones you own and the franchises? Oh God, this is literally my favorite topic of life. So <laughs> one, and actually for life, I didn't even mean to say that, but for my personal life and my business life as well, I think it's probably the thing that, um, one of the best things that we did was when I was at that point of like, Oh snap, I'm a s- accidental CEO right now. Um, and going in and, and learning um, about business, one of the business books that I read was Scaling Up and mm-hmm. just learning about having a one-page strategic plan. And then what's involved in that one-page strategic plan is also having a um, your purpose and your core mm-hmm. values really clearly defined. So yeah. we went about doing that um, in a very hardcore way. <laughs> Um, and for me, it was, um, I really started with my belief. So my purpose, so the 10 spot's so ingrained, it's so a part of me and I'm so a part of it. It just, it made sense for me to start with my own belief and purpose. Mm-hmm. I believe that it's my duty to try and live my best life ever. Like life is so short and it's so special and to like, not at least try to, you know, do your absolute most to get like suck everything out of it that you possibly can seems like a, a waste to me. So I believe that everybody should live their best life ever. And in order to live your best life ever, you really need confidence. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's absolutely essential. I don't think anybody can wake up, kick ass and take names and live their best life, you know, to their full potential when they are feeling like a fraud or an imposter, or just like not, you know, not confident in their body, not confident in, in who they are. And so, you know, it was funny because since the very, very early on, we started to collect feedback from our guests, um, you know, after they have a service and, and time and time again, the, the number one thing that people say is like, when we do their services, when we, you know, polish their nails and we make their toes look pretty and we're getting rid of unwanted hair, we're, you know, re- recommending a product that works to hear up a skin condition that's been plaguing them, they end up feeling more confident. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. in other words, when we're making somebody feel put together and polished, we're making mm-hmm. them feel like a 10. Um, you know, like (laughs) it's so lovely that the 10 is, you know, in the 10 spot name and it's Chris 10, um, which is why we named it that. So the fact that I could hijack the word 10, um, when it's normally this trope about looking like a 10 and we, you know, made it into feeling like a 10, was really amazing. Yeah. It was like a, you know, magical moment when I was like, yes, that's the tagline (laughs) and the purpose. Um, and so that was really sort of how that came together was like, we exist to make everybody feel like a 10 so that they can live their life at a 10. And then, um, for the core values that took about nine months to a year to develop. So we did Mm. brainstorming levels with all of the staff and we made it sure that it was for all levels. So for the HQ staff, so my head office corporate staff, um, for all of our franchise partners to live by, and then also our 10 spotter staff to live by. So it really is, it's not like, oh, you guys in the bar, you're set, you're held to these certain set of values and standards and we don't have to play along. It's, they really are for, for everyone in the business. One of the things that we did with the, with the core values that is not in in any of the books that I've seen, but for, for us was really helpful was that I made them into phrases 
instead mm-hmm. of just words. Cause I find right. that it's like, what does teamwork mean? Like, I yeah, did, yeah, like yeah. I, it does, but, but at the same time, like, well, is it her responsibility to be, you know, making me feel like a team versus, you know, our, our core value about teamwork is being it together. So that mm-hmm. is putting the onus on the individual to say, you know, and it's a phrase, it's like, you be in it together with us and she'll be in it together. And she'll be, everybody's going to be yeah. responsible for themselves. It and then when clear. we all come together, then, you know, we're working as a team and we're, we're all in it together. So we, um, in terms of implementation, you know, it was a very big deal. We made it, you know, very, you know, meaningful and, and, you know, sent out those, those presents and the gifts we do, um, core value, uh, little, they're called high 10 forms. So in the back of every staff room and, and actually um, on Slack for our corporate head office, we'll do like high tens, like way to live, you know, the core value of own your role. And, and um, each bar will choose a core value of the month winner. We'll have a core value of the month, actually, so that everybody knows like we're talking and we're, you know, um, focused on this one value this month. And then that will get um, one of the bar um, core value winners will be uh, the sort of brand core value winner for the month. So for us, it's just really talking about them a lot, using the values. Mm-hmm. One of the things that in making them into phrases I found was really helpful is that they become very sticky. So right. they're, they get used a lot. Like there's been a lot of times where, you know, even, even I find they're successful, even if they're being used in jest, like, oh, look at you loving the details. Like, aren't you fantastic? Even though it's kind of like you're, you know, you're, you're still using the value, even though it's in this kind of, you know, tongue in cheek, um, cheek way, if they're going to use they're they're sticky. And so for us, it's, it's saying we're about this, we're about Mm -hmm. these core things, and then we're going to have the behaviors match those things. And so you can trust that like, when you come here, you know, our, our main purpose, our main number one value, in addition to our purpose is like, we're here to make everyone feel like a 10. And that is, you know, how we want people to feel, especially in, in the aesthetics industry where it was a bit more, um, I don't think it had the credibility that it deserved to have. And that, you know, these, these women are experts at what they do. They have chosen a profession that is all about making people feel put together and confident and that deserves respect and that's highly valued. And so to, you know, um, to show our staff that, that it is, it's, it's all about the environment that they're in and the culture of the business. Because right. also in the aesthetics industry, you, it's, you're scrubbing calluses and waxing vajayjay. Like no matter where <laughs> you go, if you're at the Ritz Carlton or you're at the, you know, place down the street or you're at the 10 spot, it doesn't change. Absolutely. It doesn't change yeah. your day to day. What you're doing hour by hour is, is the same, but the environment in which you're in is, yeah. uh, is very different. And so for us to, to really win is having the best environment. And that comes through having yeah. a very strong purpose and, and our core values really defined and then lived by. Yeah. Wonderful. And in closing my my last question for you, mm-hmm. what would be your top two pieces of advice for women or anyone really uh, wanting to start their business and, you know, begin their journey as an entrepreneur? Um, I would say do it. So, you know, you're just gonna, <laughs> like I said, you're gonna go back to your plan B or your worst case scenario might be the thing you're actually doing right now. So, um, I would say just, just to go for it, mm-hmm. um, be ravenous in your learning. So reading and, you know, listening to podcasts, getting those mentors, getting those advisors, taking classes, doing whatever you can to just, um, you know, better, better yourself all the time, which I think is just in general. I, I believe that no matter 
what you do, you're going to at least get one nugget of value out of something and, and that's worth it. Um, and then I think just like being authentic, like there's only one you mm-hmm. and you have just as much right to, you know, I tell my sons this all the time. I'm like, you have just as much right to take up space as anybody else on planet earth. You know, no one really knows what they're doing. Everybody's just making this up. Like we're all born at zero, knowing nothing, making up these lives. Um, so just like get out there and, you know, make something up and create something and, and, uh, and be you. So great advice. I I love that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Kristen. It was a pleasure speaking with you and hearing about your journey with a 10 spot. Excited to see where it takes you next. Thank and you. And thank you for making time today. You're the best. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you to TD Women and Enterprise for their support of The Brand is Female. You've got it in you to succeed. Let TD help guide you. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and click on the TD logo. Thank you for listening today. If you did enjoy the show, don't forget to leave a review and subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Thank you so much for listening to a podcast by The Brand is Female. I'm Ava Hartling, and this episode was produced by our team. Sound engineering by Isabel Morris. Research and production support, Claire Miglionico. Yeah.